0: i'm debbie george Addis. welcome to my show america can we talk today we're going to talk about a big win for Sidney powell virginia perdon joins me in studio author great thinker the debate happened 1619 versus miles brutality it's an amazing story and angela davis heir to slave owners who knew and of course i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgianis. So I didn't tell you about this last week, but my friend Sydney Powell, who is a wonderful and brilliant attorney. And uh, she's also one, one of the, I mean, before all of the debacle of the 2020 election occurred, she was a very famous attorney in America, an author, a brave author. Um, she wrote the book License to Lie, exposing a lot of the corruption inside the Department of Justice. So just a brilliant uh, lawyer and very brave lawyer. And during the uh, elections or the aftermath of the elections of 2020, when so many allegations are being made regarding election integrity, she got involved in investing investigating. investigating what exactly she was actually involved prior to the election with great concerns about uh, potential election fraud and after the election of 2020 was involved in uh, among others in advising President Trump related to the uh, suspicion which seems now to have been borne out that there was a problem with the Dominion voting machines in any case after much investigation research and Again, I want to say she's an attorney who, for years, has been revered a long-time uh, prosecuting attorney, a long-time working in, the, in U.S. Attorneys. Just a brilliant, brilliant lawyer. So she filed, after the 2020 elections occurred and suspicions began to be developed regarding whether or not the election was uh, valid or not, she filed four different lawsuits. Uh, there are many other in- entities, individuals, and groups who filed lawsuits. She filed a total of four lawsuits questioning the integrity of the election of 2020 in in four different states so she filed the lawsuits to ask a court essentially to look at the evidence she had garnered evidence that related to the manipulation of voter tabulation software just basically look at the information she had garnered that challenged the outcome of the elections of 2020. those in all four of the lawsuits that she sydney filed there was no decision no looking at the evidence the court Uh, in each case dismissed the uh, lawsuit she had filed on procedural grounds, such as premature, you filed it too early, you filed it too late, just some reasons that the net of it was not one single court looked at what she had assembled when she filed these lawsuits. What the evidence was, no one looked at the data, no one looked at what she had filed. So despite that those cases were never looked at, no one ever uh, determined that somehow what she had filed was not valid, the State Bar of Texas, which is the the entity that any practicing lawyer uh, must belong to in their own state, the State Bar of Texas came after her and they sued her. There's uh, a, a subsection of the State Bar called the Commission for Lawyer Discipline. And so that entity came after her, threatening her law license over her activities of filing lawsuits related to 2020 elections, and they were questioning very, very nitpicky things about whether particular attachments uh, were accurate and valid. I mean, they were—they were essentially ch- claiming that she had filed frivolous lawsuits, unjustified by the facts that she knew. Uh, which, you know, if you know Sidney Powell, if anything else, she is the most uh, deep researcher, very logical, follows the law. I mean, doesn't she? Just doesn't. Um, She's just a very earnest, serious, and long practice attorney, many, many, I think she's had over 150 uh, appellate arguments. I mean, she's a very, very uh, serious, substantive lawyer. So, the state bar comes after her. And uh, last week, there was going to be a hearing in this uh, litigation involving the state bar of Texas suing Sidney Powell. And it happened to be in a courthouse, literally on the way to my studio from our home. And so, and the timing was perfect. So, I went in to hear uh, the oral argument. So, the, it was a motion for a summary judgment. And that's just as a something you can do in law that basically asks the court, if you're the one being sued, it asks the court to say, throw out this entire case because there's no merit to it all, no set of facts upon which this claim can proceed. And so to be very precise about it, she filed her, uh, the bar came after her in April of 2022. She filed initially in July 20th of last year, 2022, a summary judge for a partial summary judgment motion. And then she filed uh, in December of last year, a motion for uh, summary judgment and she, it's called for no evidence summary judgment. So I got to go hear the oral argument. It was kind of, you know, I'm a lawyer by background. I'm not licensed in the state of Texas. I never pursued getting licensed here went to law school back east i got licensed in california and washington dc but never did that in texas to be very clear i'm not a texas lawyer but it was fun to be in the courtroom the judge was brilliant and the um basically it was a ruling on the summary judgment motion to cut to the chase the judge granted Sidney powell's motion for summary judgment on the entire case basically threw the entire case out that the state bar brought against her and the uh, judge in the case wrote a great great ruling regarding the summary judgment. Uh, Didn't just write a summary judgment granted, but went through and delineated all of the faults and shortcomings of the lawsuit that the state bar had filed against her. And it'd be kind of boring if I read out loud the four-page summary judgment motion. But the gist of it was that the lawyers, the state bar, who should have, you know, pretty good lawyers, they are the bar after all, had just silly, Uh, i mean uh flimsy inconsequential accusations they had arguments in the uh they had attachments in their litigation they had attachments that don't even in any way uh, they, they were saying the, the summary judgment motion, you know, confirmed by the judge, uh, the ruling by the judge, who said, "You know, your your attachments don't even relate to what you filed, and you didn't even, and half the attachments you said were there weren't even there." So it was a dismissal, not just of the entire case against Sidney Powell by the State Bar of Texas, but really a rebuke to the handling of the case by the State Bar. And I raise all that to say, anyone in this country who talks about election fraud is very likely going to be the subject of some form of rebuke or ridicule, whether it is just the media calling you a conspiracy theorist or an election denier, as oh, well, that's a bad thing to say. Um, and and it, that, that, anti- that antagonism that is really just targeting lawyers around the country and anybody else, uh, you know, Tina Peters being another great example in Colorado, it is like many, many entities, including the State Bar of Texas, went after Sidney Powell, and as I say, the judge looking at, and this is, you know, not a political hearing. This judge is, you know, in in fact, if anything, the pressure on this judge sitting there ruling on summary judgment, the pressure on that judge to rule in favor of the state bar is pretty great. I mean, the judge, a lawyer herself, she's a member of the state bar. She may think, you know, I don't really want to rule against the state bar here. I'd want to find some basis to uphold their case and let them go forward but there was nothing. My my point in raising this is the State Bar, in my view, seemed to come after Sidney Powell because they don't like people raising election fraud allegations. They don't want people to do that. They want this whole election integrity issue to just die. They want people to stop talking about it. And Sidney was particularly, um, assertive in her handling of this. She just wasn't going to let this be a, a le- this, this whole issue of election fraud. So summary judgment granted, state bar told basically these are really flimsy filings, flimsy proceedings uh, that you filed. You're, 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 what you wrote as, as the state going after her in your pleadings doesn't even bear up or support what you're saying. And the last thing in this, in this uh, first five today, and I'll probably have to come back to this next week, but the ongoing attempt of the left in this country to put in place laws and procedures that will allow election fraud to occur over and over and over and over Continues. You may recall when he who occupies the White House took office in 2020, the very first thing when the Democrats had a majority, had the White House, had the Senate, and the House, the very first bill they proposed, and as I tell you many times, they always come up with really, really uh, convincing names. Like, who could be against that? So, their very first bill they proposed was called the For the People Act. And now, who's going to be against the For the People Act? What it was. H.R. 1, the very first bill introduced in the the new Congress after Biden uh, took over and the White House, it actually tried to put in place every single tactic known to not only tolerate election fraud, but to engage in election fraud, to allow election fraud to go forward. It tried to make every single procedure, you know, forget about the need, we don't have to have any voter ID, who needs that? We're gonna have mail-in ballots, we don't have to have all these procedures in place about when people must register to vote, you know, day of registration. Every conceivable tactic and gimmick, someone who wanted to commit election fraud, was included in this bill that the Congress tried to put forward uh, right after Biden took office. And it wasn't just included as this is okay with us. The intention was to mandate that every state adopt these procedures. You got to get the importance of this. This is the left. What they tried to do in 2021, early in 2021, was to take every conceivable known technique known to allow election fraud and cheating and mandate that states do that out of washington dc that bill failed couldn't get through the senate and so now the reason i'm mentioning this to you and closing out the first five there's now an ongoing effort to take those same provisions that were in hr one the for the people act and push them through law this time right now these sessions are occurring in state legislatures in the democrat majority state legislatures at least in the states of michigan uh minnesota new mexico there's a push to make these procedures which everyone knows lead to fraud they enable election fraud it's like the election fraud enablement act these are now being pushed through in the the legislatures in democrat-controlled states and i tell you that and i'm really ending the first five by saying there better be big pushback by conservatives by people on the right side of the aisle saying you know what We cannot allow these things to be law. We can't allow them to pass. We have to have a major, major pushback by conservatives in the blue states and most certainly in the red states to say, we're not going to allow this ongoing onslaught, this ongoing attack on our election system in America, putting through lunatic things like who needs voter ID, throw out voter ID. Uh, Don't verify citizenship. Register day of voting. Show up and register. Register whether you like it or not as soon as you go to get your driver's license. Things that are known to lead to election fraud. There needs to be a renewed effort by people, especially in the red states, the conservatives to say, we're not going to do these things. We need a lot more people, very brave, like Sidney Powell was and is. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I mentioned we have a guest joining. She's in studio, which is always the most fun. Um, her name—her Virgi- name is Virginia Prodan, and uh, she's been on the show um, back, I think, when her book first came out. Uh, and again, now I'm having her on for kind of uh, related reasons. I'm going to show you her book. Uh, she's right here next to me. I'm going to show you. It's called "Saving My Assassin." The subtitle is called "Saving My Assassin," and um, it's, uh, by Virginia Prodan. There it is. Uh, we'll hold it up to while she's talking but she is a a native of the country of Romania, and she lived in Romania when one of the most evil communist dictators really known, I mean, there are are a lot of people who who could vie for that title of the most evil communist dictator, but certainly Ceausescu was one of them who was the uh, dictator in Romania while she lived there. She went through uh, an amazing story in Romania, which we're going to talk about next, And I'm planting the seed and telling this story because I wanna talk with you uh, later in the show about the rising uh, support for communism in America and have you hear from someone who lived through it. So let's welcome to the show, Virginia Perdon.
1: Hi there. Thank you, thank you for having me, uh, Debbie. And thank you for your love for America and for your desire to wake up Americans and also to stand up for the truth.
0: Thank you, White. That's very kind. Coming from you, that's an especially wonderful compliment. Thank you. So uh, I mentioned you're a lawyer in Romania, and very quickly, if you don't know this, I try to point this all the time. Communists try to destroy religion and churches when they come to power. It is among the first things they do: kill the priests, burn the churches down, kill the pastors. It's a determination to eliminate religion from the new communist society. And um, so we're going, and I want to turn and talk uh, to you about Romania. So. Let me just get back on the timing here. Romania, Ceausescu came to power when you were still a child? What was the timing there
1: in your life? Um, I was a child when Ceausescu came to Romania. I watched my parents uh, being fearful outside as uh, Ceausescu and his government ask uh, uh, people of Romania to give up their uh, their freedom and their rights. And I also watch my parents inside of our home, whispering how horrible the government was and how tomorrow the government will ask for more rights. So as you can imagine, as a kid, I felt very insecure realizing that my parents will not protect me in case something happens. And the fact that the government considered me not even a human person, like he never considered anyone a a human person to respect. So for that reason, a fire st- started in me, not not uh, only insecurity, that I don't know what's gonna happen with my life, I don't want to live like my parents, but also a fire started in me. And a fire was to find why the adults knew the truth but they were fearful to speak up and also to live a different life than them, to speak up for the truth. And I want to look at your audience and I want you to look and think of yourself, your kids, your people in your family, your family, your neighbors are watching you. Are you spreading now in America when the government goes uh, bigger and bigger and requires like almost in Romania for you to give up your rights Are you spreading faith, courage, standing up for truth, or are you spreading fear? Are you ready to give up the freedom that you enjoy and your kids will never enjoy or will never know the freedom that we have? We have a responsibility to stand up no matter the cost and protect freedom in America.
0: Amen. I, I want to thank you. I know you're a freedom fighter. Uh, and, you know, and uh, you say you do many speeches and talk about it a lot. And I, I want to uh, explore a lot of that. So when you as a child, you mentioned something I want to be sure that um, I have clear. So when communism came to power, people knew in the country, people living there knew you really were not allowed to threaten. You knew you weren't ever allowed to speak ill of the, of for example, of Ceausescu or the government. You weren't allowed to badmouth the government, and you were. Didn't it cause you to be afraid to talk to your friends? Afraid to not know who might be listening and report you? Is it was it that level?
1: You will read in detail more in details in my book Saving My Assassin. But in summary, I can tell you this when communist, socialist and communist comes to a country, uh, covers everything, takes control of the media, takes control of corporations, schools, and other, other areas. For that reason, the government will say uh, to our, our tele- television that the, the dictator brought us the golden era, and we were not allowed to speak the truth We we were forced to repeat the lies that the dictator will say on, uh, um, on the television. And we also did not know if people in our family or people even in our church for different promises from the government will betray us and will say that we said something and will put us to jail. I wanna mention one thing is in, in capitalists, you are an independent person. You belong to a family, yeah. But you are an independent person. Whatever you do, you are responsible for that. But when socialist and, and uh, communist comes to a country, wherever a member of your family will say what will be accused of will reflect over the entire family. So you are not protected. I love that point. Okay, I'm taking... I, you know,
0: think, I have known you for a long time, and I've had you in the show I at least once, I think twice, and I'm still taking notes while you're talking, But which I, I love. So I want to be sure our listeners, those who didn't hear our first interview, so as you grew up in Romania, you became a lawyer, and in your practice of law, you focused on defending... Was it essentially the church's right to exist, to hold services? What were you defending about the church?
1: I I was defending churches that will uh, ask the government to allow them to maintain the church or to extend the church. And before I took the the, the cases, uh, the government will ask uh, the church to be put on the list, on the government list. And by the time the government will give them approval or not, the the church will be in disrepair and the government will come and take demolish them and take the land I defended Christians that will take Bibles and Bible studies from one church to another for Bible studies or for vacation Bible schools and the the government will arrest those young people transporting the Bible and put them in jail for 10 years or 15 years for the crime of transporting the Bible. So yes. the Bible wasn't allowed? No, the, the way the government, the Socialists and Communists work is this. Um, in Romania, we have laws that protected freedom of religion uh, freedom of speech that were adopted by the capitalist government. The Socialist government works on lies. The socialist government never took those laws from the books in order to tell the world we have the law, but there is no lawyer using them. Well, there was a lawyer 20 something years old, 82 pounds, under five feet tall, who started to use those laws and say, you have to put my clients uh, free to free my clients because those are the laws and you can imagine that the government was not very happy with me but you have to have the courage to tell the truth you have to co- the courage to say no matter what it's going to happen I am gonna stay for the truth, and I'm gonna fight for the truth. Because if nobody fights against a dictator, the, they will extend their power, and the freedom will will be uh, will be destroyed. Uh, talking about uh, uh, writing, writing every time I speak, I do remember. I don't remember if it was the first time when you when you heard me or something. But I was telling a story that is very appropriate for this time under socialists and communists like i said and repeat this is the way uh, the the government works and you can buy lies by uh, hiding the truth and you can see some of the things that the current government is doing so um the dictator will say to television to people all over that we have everything that we need what happened is when they he will go to a grocery store the securitate will move all the foods and, uh, you know, uh, things from, uh, and will be there and will be an abundance. When he will go to the other one, they will take this and move everywhere. And when we will go to buy things, the government will give us things that they were, I can even tell you fifth quality you know uh, things that will be uh with good and and bad together and i remember telling the story that uh one time i was i was uh, saying oh no 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 those are destroyed and you have to take them away and he looked at me and he said ma'am If you want them, you take them all together at the price that I'm telling you. If not, go out of the line, somebody else will take it. So the quality of the products, what the government is dictating to you, is absolutely amazing. And take it from someone who lived under socialists and communists telling you that this is what's gonna happen here. And I will hate to tell you I told you so.
0: Okay, I do remember that story, and I actually, in my recollection, it was something about, you know, you, you could tell, I need four tomatoes. And yes. they, they would put three in your bag and then a rotten one. You'd say, well, I don't want that one. they say, no, 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 you take it or leave it, but that's what you get. So so they were, I mean, the, a term I was thinking when you were describing what Chesky would do with having his... Uh, people move a bunch of groceries to one store. It looked like it was abundant, but it really wasn't. They had to put it all in one place and move it to the next one, when really when the the people, the citizens went to shop, there wasn't very much. It's like a Potemkin
1: village. Uh, It's like a Potemkin village of a grocery store. You are not allowed to say, where is all this abundance? Yeah, yeah. because you will be taken to jail. I had a neighbor lawyer who went to uh, buy uh, some meat on the way from from the courthouse to his house. And when he had to pay, uh, he said, oh, the the government increased the price from that store to home. He disappeared. Never to be found. Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay. So, uh, you know, your book is is a gripping story, and I don't want to tell the whole story, but the reason this book is called Saving My Assassin has to do with the fact that you were persecuted by the Ceausescu regime because you kept representing churches and not simply kowtowing to what they told you to do and say, and you actually had someone who had been sent by Ceausescu to kill you. in in your office or your home.
1: Yes, I I did not know at the time that I defended Christian and human rights cases that many of my cases became part of United Nation reports on human rights violations, and part of United Nation uh, reports uh, and uh, United States Department of States reports on human rights violations, both. And for that reason, I exposed the, the government and the dictator to the entire world. So the uh, dictator was not very happy with me. He would uh, interrogate me, put me in, under um, uh, a, a lot of pressure, He would beat and, and torture me every single day. Ask me to sign that that I am crazy that nothing from those law um, are right and everything and I will say no no I will I will not do this and at the end because um, the United States government President Ronald Reagan wanted to take the most favored national status from Romania, he um, decided that he's going to kill me and he sent a client to to my office. And because I had microphones everywhere, in my home, in my office, they knew about my whereabouts. So he came few seconds before my assistant was ready to go and pick up the kids. And she had the time just to invite him and, and leave. He was six, 10 feet tall, like a football player. And the minute that he heard, my new client heard that, Um, my assistant closed the door to the office. He pulled his jacket, took his gun and pointed to my face and said, I'm not your client, I'm here to kill you. And he said, smiling and so joyful, he said, we did everything that was possible, but you don't listen. And then he explained to me, by killing you, I will be number one in uh, President Ceausescu's guard. And I will have a wonderful life. I was fearful. Uh, I mean, five feet tall, under five feet tall. So you're and five pants. feet tall. Yeah, yeah. I, there was no way for, for me to to run. But I heard the whisper of God saying, "Share the gospel with him," and I did. And as I shared the gospel with him, he put the gun down noted several times, and his shoulders relaxed, relax, and at the end, he accepted Christ.
0: Okay, That's I've heard this story numerous times from you, my show, and other times at meetings. It's still kind of, it's amazing It's amazingly brave on your part, but you really had divine inspiration. You were were just speaking from what you felt you were being told by God to say, and he put the gun down and obviously didn't kill you because here you are today. Yes, yes.
1: Well, you are so right about this because many times when I was in the interrogation room and I was full of blood, I, uh, I told many times, you know, you always have those uh, securitate that will beat you, and securitate will say, oh, he didn't mean to do and that. You're saying
0: securitate. These are like the good guy, bad guy cops.
1: Yes, they were special forces guards of the dictator. So there were people taking care of me. And in the interrogation room, many times I heard Ceausescu's voice giving them orders, screaming at them and everything. And even with that, many times I look at them full of blood, and I remember telling them, I don't like what you're doing, but God loves you, and I choose to love you. And they had to turn their their heads because they were crying. They didn't know what to do with me. They didn't want to do what they're doing to no, Virginia. Opposite. I have.
0: I'm going to jump in. First of all, for our radio listeners, come back after a three minute break, okay? Uh, Emilio, uh, you. I sent you one clip, which is from Virginia's Twitter feed, and I just really liked it. If you can put that up, and I'll show her too uh, for our listeners to see. But you have a clip up there that says "socialists." Uh, if you, yeah, thank you. It says "socialists can provide you shelter, fill your belly with bacon and beans, treat you when you're ill, all the things guaranteed to a prisoner or a slave." So. Part of your work and telling your story and exposing Ceausescu and, and communism in general, it's like you're trying to speak to people about you use the term socialism in this in this uh, <laughs> posting, trying to speak to people about what socialism really brings and really means. And now you speak all over America all the yes. time. You certainly all spread all over the world, yeah. Certainly spread the gospel, you spread your story and your book, and spread the gospel, and you spread the idea that you need to recognize socialism isn't the great thing
1: it's, it's holding out itself to be. So what do you tell people about socialism? Absolutely, what you say again? What do you tell people about socialism? That is, it's a land of lies and a prison land. I describe it really well. And also I talk not only about socialists. My focus is for people to see that if a young person and a person like me under five feet tall uh, 82 pounds can do and was able to do and even now is able to do and expose the the truth about socialists you can do it too you have a role you have a purpose and you can do it with whatever skills and talent that, that you have so don't be afraid in romania socialists came by the boots and uh, Uh, guns of uh, of the russian empire and by romanians not standing up to socialists in america socialist comes by the fear of people not being strong and courageous to stand up but i'm encouraged because COVID exposed something about socialists and that is Parents were able to see what their children are taught in school, and because of that, more parents are standing up. I have to tell you, I know you as Americans from overseas. When I was in Romania, and for thirty-something years here in America, you as American, you are the most generous. People in the world, the most resilient people in the world. You never experienced socialism and it's new to you. Listen to others that experience, learn how they conquer, how they were strong and courageous, because I'm human like you. No, that's that's nothing special about me. It's about the courage that God can give you. Socialist is a land of lies and a prison land. And this government is trying to throw at you more and more and more every single day. This
0: government, the Biden administration in America
1: today is yes. trying to throw
0: more socialism. Okay, I want to jump and ask you, what do you say to people who say, well, you know, communism is bad. She just communist. This is just socialism. What's the difference?
1: The difference between socialist and communist? Yeah, yeah in your experience. Yeah. Okay, socialist is the period of time when the government takes power and lies to you and say, "Oh, you wanna be gay and lesbian? Go ahead and be You wanna be? You wanna have abortion? Let's go and do it and everything." And Takes power, takes control, uh, makes uh, every single company part of uh, of the government. Oh, right now it's saying, if you as a corporation agree with us, you will be part of the government. Well, wait a little bit because not everyone can be part of the government, and they will eliminate you. Communist is when the government takes power takes everything from you. Oh, you want to be gay and lesbian? No, 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 no. You cannot be. You you want abortion? No, because we need slaves and you have to have. In Romania we had to have uh until the age of 54 when we were not allowed to have abortion. We have to have five kids. That was a rule in Romania. That was in, oh my gosh. in Romania. Okay.
0: One of the thought I have cuz Virginia we could talk for 2 hours as we yes. often have. But one of the thought that I, I really I learned this from you listening to you speak and reading your book um, and just thinking more about things which is people always ask well why when socialists come to power do they start to torment the church? Why do they start arresting priests, killing priests, killing pastors, taking away l- religious freedom? And you had a great line which I now repeat which is the communists do that because they can't have the people believing in God. The communist party
1: needs to be God to yes. the people. Yes. T- say what you mean by that. The, the government is, wants to replace God. Uh, the Christians are a threat to the socialist and communist government because they trust God. The uh, socialists and communists create a society where. Everyone needs to trust the government. Trust the government and be a victim. Look at society right now, because we're going to help you. We're going to help you with money. We're going to help you with student loans. We're going to help you with the position. We're going to help you with everything. It's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. It's nothing. But if you believe in God, then you know that the government is not your... your um, um, your provider. your provider or the one who will, will make resources and um, th- for that reason they want to destroy the church but the church is not necessary the building is the body of Christians and they want to put in jail and disappear we're well, talking about this I want you and your listener to be encouraged that government cannot do this even if you see it for a little while that they succeed talking about my assassin after he accepted christ you need to read the book oh. because he 20 years after he watched me from overseas speaking at different events he show up in dallas texas in my law office i did not recognize him he had a case he explaining and all of a sudden after he explained it, he got a little bit frustrated with me and said, Virginia, don't you recognize me? And I said, no, and he showed me his securitate ID. And I recognized his face, and I almost relieved that moment in Romania. Yeah. And he started to explain to me what God is doing in his life and what is he is doing. And I have to tell you, He serves the Lord and you can read his chapter in my book, Saving My Assassin. Only God can do this. So what I am trying in summary to say to you, yes, the evil one might have power for a period of time, but evil is in God's power too. And God limits that power. And we are in God's power and we are forever. If you ever in your life, in your situation, when you want to stand up against the government and you have fear, remember me. I I fought against a dictator who had money, who had a military power, who lied to the um, western civilization before i exposed him he is dead for 30 something years and i am alive telling people and encouraging people all over the world to stand up for truth and you will be able to stand up for truth and it's time for us americans To recognize that we have been blessed, that when we stand up for truth in America, we stand up for truth all over the world. And if you heard the expression, if she stands up, I stand up with her. Remember, remember that others will stand up with you.
0: Virginia Prodan, you are one amazing under five feet tall woman. Uh, your book is extraordinary. I did—I uh, think it was on your Chiron, but put it up again, please, so if people want to buy your book. They can go to Virginia if you have that. Yeah, thank you. VirginiaProdanBooks.com. Okay, I bought it
1: off of Amazon, which we should, you should go to your website to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And you can. I will watch. always sign it with this: "Freedom is precious." Because it's true. And it is it's, true. It's, it's true. Okay. Yes.
0: And you're right about the voices around the world um, mm-hmm. who are, if you've lived under communism, and you, especially if you see it take down your country, many people are coming to America and say, hey, wait, 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 folks. I see what's happening here, and, and, and you need to wake up now. So uh, I just can't thank you enough for coming. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I also train people, coach people. I have a podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock. You can do it. That's all I can say. You can do it. And if you have any question, any problem, go to the website, and there is a place where you can put your question and be in contact with me. Okay, I
0: apologize. I didn't mention your podcast. I'm sorry I slipped my mind. Say it again. Courageous.
1: Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, because uh, what I consider is we each one of us, we are a CEO where God placed us. You don't have to have it in, uh, on, on your door. You Even if you are a mother at home, you are the CEO of your kids, of your family. You mold the next generation of America.
0: You are the CEO of your family. I like that. Again, Virginia Pradhan, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, thank you for everything you are doing. I'm so encouraged by the way you stand up for truth, for freedom, by the way you encourage people. It's time, and it's true, it is time for us to stand up no matter the cost.
0: Amen. And how I said in my book is stand up for America. Speak up for America. Okay. It was great to have you. Just great to have you. Okay. Thank Two of the quick stories, uh, folks. Uh, one is, and we may not get to the whole thing, but I just want to tell you the most amazing and actually entertaining conversation was happening on Twitter. And it was a conversation uh, between the founder of the 1619 Project, uh, who is a woman named uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones uh, is the one who wrote the 1619 Project, uh, they try to act like it's a serious thing. It's basically a ranting and raving against America with the 1619 project written by Nicole Hannah-Jones uh, is basically an argument that we should that we should not love america we should not respect america that we in fact need to change america and i'll get and more in a moment back to what she has to say but over the weekend there was a conference about essentially why is america exceptional you know the exceptionalism of america and my friend uh got to speak at that and her she's been on the show also her name is she the first name is spelled x-i she van fleet uh she lived she, Xi Van Fleet, uh, lived in China under Mao Zedong's uh, just murderous uh, alleged cultural revolution. So she lived under Mao Zedong. She saw millions killed. She saw the country destroyed. She got out of China. This is Xi Van Fleet. She gets to America. She comes to America, and she, along very similarly to how Virginia Perdon is doing, she's trying to speak up about, to America, say, wake up and recognizing and recognize how far the communists have progressed in taking down this country. It's just extraordinary. So Xi Van Fleet speaks at this thing at, about uh, American exceptionalism says why it's great, talks about um, you know the unique greatness of America and it comes from the founding of America and the ideas of America and the idea of the recognition of man having natural rights, meaning rights from God because you were born, as a declaration, uh, paraphrasing the declaration. Uh, and so Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is all about destroying America, anti-America, hate America, founded the 1619 Project, and she kind of lives and breathes and thrives on trying to portray America as a deeply racist country, uh, trying to reject everything about the 1776 documents, the Declaration, the Federalist Papers, everything that explains America's uniqueness, Nicole Hannah-Jones, it, and, and all uh, leftists, the 1619 Project, BLM, all the leftists in the, in the race-baiting world, Uh, Try to say to America, don't think about those founding ideas. America is a systemically racist country, it's institutionally racist, it's evil. And Nicole Hannah-Jones has come, she's just unquestioningly, in fact, I had her language very quickly. Uh, She, uh, this is the founder of the 1619 Project, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, she's a black woman, a black writer. She actually said very, very bluntly, that her goal was to make sure that Americans understand she wants to um, cause them to question uh, the validity of America, the validity of freedom, the validity of capitalism. She wants to take down America. So what is interesting and entertaining over the weekend was they got into a bit of a thing on Twitter um, about you know what the, you see uh, Xi Van Fleet actually having lived through the Mao Zedong era, um, and then uh, and then Nicole Hannah-Jones trying to bring Marxism to America. So Nicole Hannah-Jones trying to bring America, bring communism to America. And Shee Van Fleet trying to say, keep it out of here. So, quicks and treats. I, I label a number of these for you. You have she Van Flee. This is her first tweet I want to show you. So this is, uh, she has this as her pinned tweet. So on Twitter, you can choose one tweet that you want to leave at the top of your page. She has a picture of herself, obviously still in China, uh, with a picture of Mao Zedong behind her. And she put, I am deeply thankful. Today, 35 years ago, my dream came true. I was granted a student visa to come to the USA. I no longer feel this is the America that I arrived in. She has been under attack by Marxism, Communism that I thought I had escaped from. That's why I'm fighting to save her. That's the first tweet. A uh, next tweet from uh, Van Fleet. She has uh, this is um uh, uh, the next uh yes tweet. This is a picture. Uh, on the left is Nicole Hannah Jones, uh, who is the anti american 1619 Project, and Xi Van Fleet, who's a pro-America, save America from Communism. Uh, article linked there, which I linked in our page two uh, to. Today from the New York Post, basically describing this battle ongoing between the two of them because Nicole uh, Hannah-Jones is just working as hard as she can to make sure everybody hates America and hates freedom and hates capitalism and thinks America is deeply racist. And She Van Fleet is saying, are you kidding me? This is the most extraordinary country ever, ever in the in the history of the world. And, you know, she points out that even the founding... She Van Fleet points out, even at the founding of America, of course, you know, we had slavery and then we had segregation. We had bad things. But it's the founding ideas of America, the founding ethos of America that caused us to be able to overthrow all these evil things. So Shee Van Fleet actually having lived under Mao tongue and really knowing what communism is, is trying to warn people about what ha- Nicole Hannah-Jones is saying on the 1619 Project, which is, you know, America is a terrible, evil place, and capitalism is evil, and America is systemically racist, and Xi Van Fleet, uh, have a none of it, is speaking right back to her. Another tweet, next one, number three from Xi Van Fleet, she talks about, communism is colorblind. Communism enslaves everyone. Communism is coming to America. She put that up just today. You can see five hours ago. Uh, and, and the last one was uh, from Xi Van Fleet, the West willfully believe that they could reform CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, by bringing it into WTO, the World Trade Organization. Yes, it worked great for the CCP, as it has become the greatest threat the West ever faced. The only way to deal with communism is to defeat it and to put it on trial next to Nazism and slavery. And that kind of segues well into this other point I wanted to make uh, in this segment very quickly in America, because the left has kind of been on the march and we had Bernie Sanders, a actually valid uh, presidential candidate on the Democrat side, we've had socialism, communism, Marxism, all that kind of uh, you know mainstreamed and brought into acceptable you know it's like acceptable company in america to say that you're part of those things and I, I was talking to a congressman friend very recently and i was saying something about you know why in the world why is biden doing this why is biden uh ha- why is the southern border open why isn't he enforcing the border It's his one well, of his primary jobs and his comment was well you know he's a globalist and and By globalist, he means he doesn't want America, the sovereign, to exist as a country. He's a globalist. He's fine if America is destroyed by this globalist movement, which has as undergirding communism. The globalist movement in the world is communist. And it struck me, listening to him, he said it in the tone like you might say, well, yeah, I don't know. You know, he's a Chicago Bears fan. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. As though it was kind of, well, that's who he is. And that's how he thinks, you know, he's a Denver Broncos guy. So what? And I wanna say, I think the point that Sheevan Fleet made in this tweet, and the point I want to make to you is really important, and that is, we need to delegitimize in American political conversation the idea that in America, socialism, Marxism, and communism have a place at the table. We have to get clear on the idea, the very foundational ideas underlying socialism and Marxism and communism are utterly unworkable in the promises that are unworkable in America, in the country that was created by and consistent with the ideas of our founding. We have allowed this kind of dumbing down of our sense of what's acceptable. When someone says to you, well, I'm a communist, or says in in society today, I'm a communist in America, we should have the same reaction as when someone says, I'm a white supremacist. You would be Outrage, you would say, We do not tolerate white supremacism in this country. It is evil and awful. I reject it. Just like if someone said they were a Nazi or any other evil thing. We know evil when we say it's Nazism or white supremacism. We need to begin to speak about communism in the same way. It is an unacceptable evil unacceptable in America. This is what Virginia Prodon is talking about when she's sharing her book and her story. This is what she Van Fleet is doing when she's sharing her story, trying to wake America up to recognize you're being lured into accepting socialism and Marxism as though it belong someplace in America. And, and pretty soon you won't even recognize communism itself as antithetical to America. But it is. You can't have the freedom our founders promised in the Declaration, in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, and also have Communist society. It's one or the other. Last quick story for today's show. um, So there, I started to do this story yesterday and I ran out of time. Amazing how often that happens. Uh, But there was a a story out of, Uh, Involving Angela Davis and if you don't know who that is Angela Davis was a a very left-wing figure in America in the 60s Um, She was part of the she was actively openly a member of the Communist Party of the USA Um, She was indicted in relation to a um, a very violent incident I'm pretty sure she was part of the Black Panther organization for a while Uh, she was also um, Part of an organization that committed uh, actual crimes, actual committed uh, bank robberies, and I think her, the weapons she owned were used. She was charged, uh, end up uh, being uh, released. I mean, didn't didn't um, didn't go to prison for that. But she's a longtime member of the Communist Party, uh, also a founding member of the CCDS, the Committees of Correspondence for Democracy and Socialism, and she actually um, in her uh, work. Uh, through her just radical leftist work, ended up being a professor. She actually is a professor today. Um, and I think it's at uh, UC, it is, uh, she went to Brandeis University of Frankfurt, um, but she's a scholar, she's a communist for sure. Um, And she teaches uh, college in America today. Actually, she's at the University of California, Santa Cruz. So total leftist, total communist, and a big advocate, big, 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 big advocate for the idea of reparations. Talking about how in America, the only way to make things right, because in the past of slavery and segregation, we have to have reparations. So she had the most amazing startling thing of her life. She was on a PBS show being interviewed on, on, on public broadcasting. And it's kind of shocking to me uh, that this PBS show, uh, which is called "Finding Your Roots," finding your roots, a PBS show, and she was interviewed live there. And she's a big reparations advocate, you know, and big America is systemically racist and and institutionally racist. And she's endlessly writing about race and you know spreading all of the um, you know just the division that left us do on that topic. So she's uh, in this interview um, called "In Finding Your Roots." and the uh, host of the interview kind of mind-blowing pulled up something that i'm going to let this a portion of the live interview on pbs and this is angela davis answering this question go ahead please any idea what you're looking at that is a list of the passengers on the mayflower No, I can't believe this. No. My ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. Your ancestors came on the Mayflower. No, no, no. You are descended from one of the 101 people who sailed on the Mayflower. Oof. That's a little bit too much (laughs) to deal with right now. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you may have descended from people who laid never the foundation never, for this country <laughs> never <laughs> never never okay the reason i wanted to play that you have to realize the irony here she has been pushing america pushing her view she's a communist and even if she is not formally part of the us uh, communist party usa today i think she dropped her membership but she's a total leftist communist and she has as many people have pointed out she has been f- prompting and pushing this idea of reparations of america as a systemically racist country and many people have been pointing out the way that communists in fact she studied under uh, she studied Marcuse, the um berlin guy who was talking about you know america will never fall via the, um, you know, via bombs and bullets. It won't, we won't, communists won't take down America through war, but we can take down America through attacking America at its core, attacking the American idea, the people of America, encourage them not to believe in their country, encourage them to believe that America is systemically evil. I mean, the communist propaganda mentality, uh, kind of like the long march through the institutions. Marcuse was her professor, and he's teaching her these ideas, And so she's been part of this whole effort to say we got to have reparations we've got to punish white america uh for the sins of their ancestors and we've got to reward uh black american citizens with getting reparations because of the wrongdoing done to their ancestors uh centuries ago but get this angela davis as as was pointed out to her you can she can see she's just flabbergasted she has, she has uh, in her background, she's talked about studying her own background. She had a white grandfather, and I think two white grandfathers, or a white grandfather and then another strain, the family of white great grandfather. So she has white Americans in her own personal ancestry. So what this PBS guy pointed out to her was, you have relatives, you have ancestors, who came to America on the Mayflower. And he pointed out also, she has ancestors who were white, plantation owners in America's South. So what does Angela Davis do with this? What does any honest person do with this? She's been railing against white Americans for having done nothing wrong, but having, having, having alive in America today. And because their ancestors may or may not have been plantation owners and may have, and slave owners, and she's railing about uh, black Americans must be viewed as victims and we have to have a massive reparation. We have to have the, the whole cultural Marxism idea that got in, implanted in her head as she's a student in college is causing her to come around to belief in this using cultural Marxism using the dividing of America along the lines of race. To push the Marxism that would never be accepted, the socialism that wouldn't be accepted, if we were told, you know, we've got to have a, you know, piling together all the money and and dividing up evenly, supposedly that communism does, you know, that communism uh, just allegedly equalizes wealth and really equalizes slave, equalizes suffering. In about 30 seconds, I'm going to pull these pieces together. She Van Fleet. Warning America about communism and warning, she fleet saying it's right here in front of us. Calling out Nicole Hannah Jones, who is spreading cultural Marxism through her 1619 Project. Virginia Prodan, telling you about the evils of communism, she suffered and seeing hints of it right here. Virginia Prodan is exactly right. The time is now for everyone who begins, has a hint of what is happening to this country to begin to speak up, to reject all of what the left is pushing on America. Dividing America, cultivating divisions intentionally, which is what the what the left always does, cultivating dependency, cultivating weakness, cultivating victimhood, Everything this regime in Washington is doing, everything the left is doing in this country today is not out of kindness, consideration, or any other good motive. It is about pushing America further over the cliff to socialism. It's time for every American who understands what's happening to stand up and speak up for this country. I close every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show at uh, very beginning. We talk about big win for Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell, a poster child for leftist vilification of anyone who opposes them. Powell brought four lawsuits alleging election fraud in the 2020 election. Detailed claims, hundreds of pages of exhibits attached to the legal complaints. Not one judge looked at one shred of evidence or exhibits. All lawsuits were dismissed on procedural grounds. Leftist Texas State Bar later acted to disbar Powell for bringing alleged frivolous lawsuits leftists because the leftist agenda is no one can be allowed to question the quote election of biden texas judge just granted summary judgment against the state bar and for sydney powell texas state bar produced no evidence that sydney powell had done anything wrong this is what the judge found judge found state bar filings to be sloppy disorganized incomplete shabby left has made a mockery of the rule of law in america mobs shouting and fist shaking, instead of facts, evidence, and reasoning. America's justice system must rise to reject leftist perversion of law. In the debate 1619 versus Mao's brutality, Nicole Hannah-Jones versus Xi Van Fleet in a very public Twitter battle. And Xi Van Fleet is winning on uh, uh, NHJ, we'll just because her name's kind of a mouthful, Nicole Hannah-Jones, principal author of the New York Times 1619 Project that claims America was built on slavery, USA must be condemned, forced to pay reparations, never viewed as exceptional, and she is out there saying and must reject capitalism. She Van Fleet, actual refugee from Mao Zedong's Communist China, frequent America Can We Talk guest, and she's coming on again soon, uh, experienced firsthand the horrors of communist brutality on family and friends, experienced firsthand the joys of American freedom and exceptionalism. Twitter battle, given impetus by the free speech values of Elon Musk, very illuminating. Leftists rarely advocate based on lived experience. Nicole Hannah Jones never lived in China or under communism. Their academic critics espousing theories as solutions. The result is always disaster by comparison to the American experience. And next slide, Angela Davis heir to slave owners. Apparently definitive ancestral research shows Angela Davis to be a descendant of a traveler on the Mayflower and a descendant of slave owners. <clears throat> Nothing more vividly puts the lie to reparations nonsense than Angela Davis actual life story. She made a career railing against racial injustice in America, yet reparations arguments would require her to pay reparations for the sins of her ancestors. Why would that be fair to Angela Davis? Why would that be fair to anyone who never owned slaves and always condemned slavery? Answer, it wouldn't be fair in either case. Individual responsibility without individual culpability is inherently wrong, unjust. Reparations should be rejected. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America Can We Talk, truth about America.
0: Can you